We're going to be starting a series today on the book of Acts and we're going to be spending quite a bit of time in Acts for all of this year and into to next year. And we're just going to look at the beginning of Acts today. And what we will find in the book of Acts is I want you to think about what it feels like to not have what you need. Because this really is how the disciples felt after Jesus had died. They'd spent three years with Jesus. He told them all these things. They saw these miracles. And then he was gone. And if we look at Acts 24, in verses 9 to 12, this is what it says. When they, being the women, came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanne, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So all the people are together, Jesus' disciples, like the eleven, because... Judas is no longer with us, and others. And the women come back and say, hey, Jesus is risen from the grave. And they think this is complete and utter nonsense. We don't believe what you're saying. This makes no sense whatsoever. And then if you keep on reading in chapter 24 of Luke, it is talking about two men who are walking on the road to Emmaus and they meet this guy And he talks to them and they're like, don't you know what's happened? And they tell them that Jesus died and he starts telling them all about the prophecies. And they're like, who is this guy? And then he breaks bread and they realise it's Jesus. And so they run back to tell the 12 or the 11, run back to tell the disciples, Jesus is back. And then we get towards the end of chapter of Luke 24 and it says this. While they're still talking about this, they're talking about the encounter that the two guys had had, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. So even though they've had multiple groups of people telling them Jesus is alive, they're thinking Jesus is a ghost. But Jesus says to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. When he said this to them, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So Jesus told them he was coming back. But even when he's in their presence, they think it's a ghost. Even when they've had two lots of people saying, We know, no, this is true. The disciples found it really hard to believe. But then, 
if you look in like chapter 2 of Acts, we get Peter standing in front of a crowd of people saying, let me tell you all about Jesus and the fact that he's risen from the dead. And so today I want to briefly look at how do we get there? How do we get from Peter being like, I do not believe that Jesus is alive and hearing these stories to being confident that it is enough to tell everybody and continue on with what happens in Acts. And luckily for us, we have this person called Luke. Now, Luke wrote the book of Luke and he also wrote the book of Acts. And the very beginning of Acts, if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. He says this. In my former book, I never know how to say his name, let's just call him Theo. I wrote to you about Jesus, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So that was in the book of Luke. Um, until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he chose. After he suffered, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at what time are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time and date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after this he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, he said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who'd been taken up into heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. I am really, really grateful for Luke. Because what Luke tells us at the very beginning of the book of Luke is that he wanted to have an orderly account of all that Jesus did. You've heard all these things. I want to actually write it down. He wasn't one of the disciples that followed Jesus around while he was on earth, but he went and sort of like interviewed everybody and got a really good understanding of what happened and why it happened. And then that continued into Acts. Um, I wish he would continue to have written Acts because he stops. And I think it would be great to continue to have sort of the history of where Paul went and how this all fitted together. But you've got to just use your, like, do some study and put some things together in other books to make the story continue. But Luke does us a really great favour because he tells us what happened between Jesus coming back alive again and going into heaven. And it's in these 40 days that I think we can learn a lot about the nature and character of God that is so helpful for us to know. 
So this is what Jesus did in those 40 days. It says he, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm alive, believe me, bye. He actually spent time giving them convincing proof that he was alive so that they could know for themselves. So when Peter or any of the disciples stood up and said, Jesus is alive, they actually believed it for themselves, not just a story they heard from someone else. So that's one of the things that Jesus did was give them convincing proof. He spoke about the kingdom of God. So of all the things that Jesus wanted his disciples to know before he went up to heaven, it was this is what my kingdom is about. And we see that with the disciples as they continue to spread God's word, they actually talk about what? The kingdom of God. The way that God wants things to be, not the way that the earth, like the way that it is on earth. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he told them, you're not going to do this on your own. Don't do it now, but wait. Wait for the Spirit of God to come. He told them what their job was. Their job for this moment on was to be his witnesses. Not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and to the ends of the earth. Now we know in Matthew, the very end of Matthew, it says, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them in my name, and I will be with you always. That's a pretty big ask. If you were told that it was Jesus himself is asking you to go and make disciples of all nations, I think I'd be like, I think you've got the wrong person. Surely there's someone else you might be talking to. Because that's a huge thing. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. But he also gives them hope for the future. The angel said that he would come back, Jesus would come back in the same way as you see them go up to heaven. So they actually had hope that Jesus was going to return. They had hoped that he was actually going to come back again. He wasn't just going to be gone forever. And I would like to put it to you, and I think it's quite convincing, that Jesus actually gave his disciples everything they needed for the task he called them to. He didn't say it was reliant on you. He actually gave them everything they needed. He gave them a chance to be convinced themselves that what he was saying was true. Forty days he spent with them so that they knew without a shadow of the doubt in their mind that Jesus had been risen from the dead. So when people questioned it, they didn't. They were convinced and Jesus gave them what they needed to be convinced. 
he gave them their focus. What do you focus on when you've got so many things that Jesus did? Focus on the kingdom of God. Focus on who God is and how he wants things to be. And so he spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the way that God actually does things. I wish those things were written down too, but they're not. And then he goes, don't worry. I know I've given you some head knowledge now, but now I'm going to actually give you power. I'm going to give you the ability to do things and to speak and to have my power living inside of you. Something that nobody had had beforehand. The Holy Spirit was around, but the Holy Spirit would rest on people and then would go and then would rest on people for a time or for a purpose and then would go. So Jesus is saying, don't go off and just tell everybody that you're convinced I'm alive. Wait, because head knowledge is not good enough. You need power and you need the Holy Spirit who's not going to just rest on you for the moment but is going to live within you. He gave them purpose to actually be his witnesses. They knew that's what our role is, to actually tell people what we know, to show people what we know to have other people experience and know this amazing Jesus that we have met. And then he also gave them hope for the future, as I said before. That Jesus was going to come back. And the disciples truly believed that Jesus was going to come back while they were still alive. That was the motivation that draw them on in sometimes is that Jesus is coming back and because Jesus is coming back and we've been given this great opportunity to tell people about him before he comes back, we better get on and do it because he's coming back. Jesus does exactly the same thing for us when he asks us to do things as he did for the disciples when he asked them to go be his witnesses. We can sometimes think, wouldn't it be great to be a disciple, to have had Jesus actually, like in person, teaching us about the kingdom of God, showing us that he was real, knowing that he died and rose again and actually seeing that with our own eyes. But we actually have the greater benefit than the disciples did. Because we have it written down when they did not. None of the Gospels were written while Jesus was on earth. They're all written after he died and came back in life and went up to heaven. We have not only the life that Jesus lived, but we have the life that the disciples continue to live that actually shows and demonstrates that what Jesus called them to happened. We actually sitting here are representatives of the fact that what Jesus asked of the 
disciples happened because his word has continued and people have continued to be witnesses of him and of his death and resurrection and of the kingdom of God for us to all believe. But sometimes we think that God is going to ask us to do stuff and then wipe his hands and say, go ahead, go Serena, go do it. Last week we had a fantastic panel on obedience. There's some really great things that they shared about what obedience looks like and when it's hard. But the thing that I want us to remember, that obedience can be easy because we know that God never asks us to do stuff that he doesn't give us the means to do. He told the disciples to go into all the world and make disciples. But then he gave them the knowledge they needed, the convincing knowledge they needed. He gave them the direction of what to talk about. He gave them the power to actually step into the things of God. And he gave them hope that he was actually going to come back again. So he didn't just say, go do it, bye. And he doesn't do the same for us here. When God calls us and asks us to be obedient, he gives us what we need to be able to be obedient. He doesn't do what I did to Dan and make it impossible for us to fulfill what is asked of us. When God asks, he always gives us everything we need to fulfill it. And that's what I think is so encouraging about the beginning of Acts is that we can clearly see that, that Jesus spent 40 days making sure the disciples had what they needed. And when we look at the second half of chapter 1 and go on to chapter 2 and continue down the line of Acts, we'll see that they had what they needed. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Matt gave Matt a gift and um, talked about how when we get given a gift we have to actually open it and do something about it. And so that's really the only role that we have to play when it comes to the fact that God gives us everything that we need, is that we actually need to take on board what he's given us. God's given us the Holy Spirit, but if we're not asking the Holy Spirit to actually make a difference in our lives, he just sits there. If we're not listening to God and saying, God, what are you saying? He sometimes does scream at us. But often he'll say, I'm here. I'm waiting. So our only role is to actually say, God, what are you saying? And then step out and do what he says. We don't have to worry about, am I enough? Do I have everything that we need? Can I make a list and make sure that this is all going to work? Because Jesus, when he asks us to do something, he gives us what we need to do it. And so the only question we should be asking ourselves is, God, what are you saying? Not, do I have what I need to fulfill this? And the great thing is, the Bible tells us time and time again that it actually uses the weak things of the world 
or the foolish things. And so when we are actually weak and we can't actually do it in our own strength, that's when God actually can step in and show his power and his glory. Because it's not actually about what I physically are capable of. It's what God is actually doing and he just happens to be using me or you to fulfill what he wants to do. So today, I just want you to stop for a moment and just think about, is there something that God has asked you to do that you don't think you are capable of? Because if God has asked you to do it, you are completely and utterly capable of doing it. And if you don't believe me, or even what we looked at today, just think about the people that we know from the Old Testament. Think about Moses. God says to Moses, I want you to go speak to Pharaoh. And Moses says, I can't. Can't do that, can't speak, can't do it. And so what does God do? He provides what Moses needs and gives him Aaron. You think of Noah being asked to build an ark, and I realise I've gone back in the Old Testament, not forward, but, you know. God provided what he needed. Think of Abraham with Isaac. God provided what Abraham needed. You think of Joseph in jail. God provided the interpretation that Joseph needed to not only get out of jail, but to save Israel itself, God's people. If God has asked you to do something, you may not be capable, but he is. And if he's the one doing the asking, he gives us what we need to do it. And so that's an excuse that none of us can use anymore. If you've been used to using the excuse, oh, sorry, God, I'm not capable to do that, bad luck. From now on, you cannot use that excuse. Because the answer is you are not capable, but God is. And he gives you the power. He gives you the knowledge. He gives you all that you need to do what he's asked you to do. Because God is all about us actually being his witnesses and being his ambassadors. And so he doesn't just say, go do it and wipe his hands of us. And sometimes the annoying thing is, we don't know that we have what God needs, like that God has given us what we need until we're in the middle of actually doing it. And that is really annoying. It would be so much easier if you like, oh, yes, God, thank you. I know I've got all these things and so now I can go and do it. But often it's when we're praying for that person that God gives us the words that we need. It's when we are in the middle of somewhere and we don't know what to do that God comes and gives us what we need. 
But if God is asking us as a church, if God is asking us as individuals, as families, in whatever context to do something, we cannot say we are not capable. Well, we can, but that can't be the excuse that we use not to do it. I actually didn't know, it wasn't in my head, I may, I've probably read it multiple times, but it wasn't in my head until these last couple of weeks when I've been looking at Acts chapter 1, that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples between coming back from the dead and going up to heaven. He didn't do a lot in 40 days. And because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, because we have Jesus who's not on earth but he's in heaven, who's always, Hebrews tells us, he's always interceding on our behalf, whatever God asks us to do, doesn't matter how small or insignificant it is or how small or insignificant you feel, God will give you what you need. Let me pray. Lord God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, God, that you speak. I want to thank you that you have plans and purposes for our lives. I want to thank you, God, that even just loving people, God, that like your word commands us to, God, that you give us what we need to love. That whatever you want us to be obedient in, God, you don't just leave it up to us and us having to do it in our own strength and with our own talents, God, but you give us what we need to do what you've asked us to do, God. And so we just want to thank you for that, God. And I just really want to pray, Lord, that we will just continue to be people that walk in your ways, that will continue to be people that hear from you, that we will want to know what you're saying, God. And once we know what you're saying, God, that we will be people that trust you to give us all that we need to do what you've asked us to do. Amen.